It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. I'm Ashley Webster. I'm Kennedy. I'm Jason Chaffetz, and this is the Fox News Rundown. Friday, June 24th, 2022. I'm Grinnell Scott. The Supreme Court of the United States turned aside 50 years of abortion rights with a single decision, and it sends the nation to different sides on the matter. This opinion is dealing with the issue of how much deference do they give to Roe versus Wade, and then ultimately it's dealing with issues of federalism and and the original intent of the uh, Constitution. This is the Fox News Rundown, Evening Edition. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Janice Dean, Fox News Senior Meteorologist. Be sure to subscribe to the Janice Dean Podcast at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to spread the sunshine. It was the landmark decision that all but erased another landmark decision. The U.S. Supreme Court's 6-3 ruling in the case of Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization, a Mississippi case, had long been anticipated as the linchpin that could topple abortion rights in America. And it did. Protesters outside the court's doors voiced their pleasure and their pain. Those who have fought for abortion rights say their fight is not over. But should it continue, it will likely be on legislative, not judicial grounds. Before we get to that point, let's understand more about the case and the thought processes that led to the decision along the court's clear ideological line. What's interesting to me is not even really kind of the moral or philosophical implications when you talk about abortion. It's really how the court dealt with very kind of academic, difficult, thorny issues that led to this opinion. Jim Trustee is a former federal prosecutor and a partner at IFRA Law. And let me just back up that we've been seeing for a couple of years in Supreme Court jurisprudence, these kind of gratuitous moments or what would look to be gratuitous moments where justices talk at length about stare decisis, about the idea of precedent and how valuable precedent is or isn't. And and our system relies on it, right? We don't want to have changing rules across the country on a daily basis. And so it's a very important principle. And you'd see cases completely unrelated to abortion or anything to do with right of privacy. You know, it could be something really mundane or, or kind of, uh, you know, mind bending in, in its inaneness. And you'd have a, a long concurrence or a long dissent or even the majority opinion spouting off about their position on precedent. And I think that was all kind of drawing the battle lines, exposing, hey, you know, we know this is coming with Roe versus Wade. What's your take in terms of the power of precedent? And, you know, as important a principle as it is that what the majority was able to do was point out that there have been times in the history of the Supreme Court, sometimes longer than the 50 years or so that we've had with Roe versus Wade, where the precedent was wrong. And, you know, Plessy versus Ferguson is kind of the most famous example that's usually trotted out, and it's in the majority opinion here. So there's times where they basically say, 
you know, we value precedents, but this is one of these times where the decision was so wrong that we've got to change it. Now, let me just add, you know, this is not an opinion poll between nine people about what they think about abortion. This opinion is dealing with the issue of how much deference do they give to Roe versus Wade? And then ultimately it's dealing with issues of federalism and and the original intent of the uh, constitution. They're trying to decide is this some sort of right where the feds can dictate to all of the states what happens when it comes to the regulation or the prescription of abortion? And the majority said, no, there's nothing in the history of this country, the history of the 14th Amendment, that allows you to say this is some deeply inherent right of the federal constitution. So they return it all to the states. And that leads me to my next question is the fact that since it goes back to the states and we're seeing this play out now, Missouri was the first state to actually say, "Okay, we are cutting off abortions entirely. And they signed a a measure to to make that happen. We are seeing the 13 states that had trigger laws that when this decision came down, basically automatically put this into play. What do we expect to see as far as other states and their legislatures really starting to ramp things up quickly to come down on one side or the other? Well, I think that's exactly what's going to happen. You're going to see it ramped up quickly. You're going to certainly have legislation that has long been written by either side of the aisle. In other words, you know, the idea that Roe versus Wade is under fire is not something new to these legislators and to the legislatures as a whole. So I suspect we'll see in in the South and in the Midwest, we'll see some uh, laws that might not have been trigger laws, but that follow that kind of lead of having either greater restriction on abortion or outright banning. I I would guess overall, you're gonna see more uh, reining it in to the first trimester than outright banning when you get to some of these states, but we'll see restrictions that are put in place. Uh, They may have differences in terms of like rape and incest exceptions. Um, And then you're going to see states like uh, kind of traditional blue states, Massachusetts, Maryland, Washington, D.C. as as an incident um, where they will probably come up with laws cutting the exact opposite way, you know, encouraging the free uh, availability of abortion and, and perhaps even enshrining into their laws the the interest in letting people travel to their states to do that. Is this something that as governors are elected from different parties in different states, that these decisions, depending on the state, could go back and forth? They could. Yes. I mean, it's going to depend on really kind of the the mood of the electorate in each one of these states. I think a lot of the states have been pretty consistent in their uh, polling and in their general approach and their feelings. And, you know, that's reflected by the fact of having a trigger law. I can't think of other examples where you're waiting for the Supreme Court and have a law that's going to automatically kick in as soon as they reverse Supreme Court jurisprudence. So, you know, you're definitely going to have some states that the the vast majority is pretty immovable. So I wouldn't expect that different governors or different legislatures will, you know, be seesawing back and forth on the issue. But there may be other states that are either in flux or that have always been in flux when it comes to, you know, absolutes about abortion, where you could see changes from from time to time. So, yeah, it's Look, that's the that's the blessing and the curse of a federalist system is that when you turn things over to the state, 
I think as Alex de Tocqueville used to say, they're all independent workshops. And so you're going to get differences in different states, different regions, different ideas. And, you know, sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes people view that as a bad thing, but it's all a reflection of the fact that we created a federal government that's not supposed to uh, vary from the Constitution in terms of creating substantive rights. Will the states go as far as Missouri has in outlawing abortion or will they do something in more of the vein of a Texas and Oklahoma and be as restrictive as possible without wiping it off the books? My guess, and it's really only that, my guess is that you're going to see more uh, of increases to regulation as opposed to flat out bans. I, I would think that Partial birth abortion is going to be one that's easy for a lot of these states to completely wipe out uh, or at least wipe it out unless it's uh, uh, the, the life of the mother is on the line. Um, as to how far they go between like first and second trimester or fetal heartbeat bills where they say, you know, once there's a heartbeat, all of that's in play. So I expect you'll see some variation. And I think you'll see more of, of that kind of uh, tinkering rather than absolute bans, but you'll probably see some of both. You've been listening to Jim Trustee on the Fox News Rundown Evening Edition. More after this. President Biden spoke to the nation shortly after the decision came down. Two things he said stood out to me. The first thing he talked about was the fact that, okay, this decision has been made by the Supreme Court. If we're going to reverse it, it's not going to be in the court setting. It's going to have to be done by Congress codifying it into law. How possible, how probable is that something like that happening? I think it's possible, but I think unlikely. I mean, I think the, the bigger the bigger theme of uh, President Biden's remarks today was this has got to be a midterm mobilizer. And that's consistent with that. Right. Like, let's throw it out for for public discourse. Let's try to get a bill in front of the Senate. Maybe we take our sweet time and let that happen in the fall. So there was an awful lot of kind of overt politicizing of the situation that, in that, his comments. That was the other thing that stood out to me in what the, the president said. And, and he said it in, in so many words. This is on the November ballot. When he said that, it made me think, did the Supreme Court give Democrats who were thought to have a real disadvantage in this midterm election something they can rally around? Well, we'll find out. I mean, that's certainly the effort. That's certainly what was said uh, today by President Biden. Um, And I have to say, you know, I kind of came at it from a different direction when he was speaking. I looked at two other things, two related things as really points of emphasis for me. And this is because I've been in the criminal justice system forever, dealing with judges, (laughs) dealing with prosecutors and defense attorneys. One was, what is he going to say in terms of supporting the institution you know i I always think and maybe maybe hideously naively now that the public officials no matter how upset they may actually be about a, a particular ruling by a court they should be supporting the institution because in the long run tearing down the legitimacy of the court is bad for the whole country And I heard language about extreme ideology. I heard him use the word un-American at one point. And so, you know, to the extent that I was uh, hoping that the president, and this really holds true for the attorney general as well, that they would say some things about respecting the authority of the court. We didn't get an ounce of that. And that's very disappointing. The second part relating to this that I wanted to hear was what was he going to say about the, the likelihood of violence and the reaction 
uh, of the federal government to any sort of violence directed at these Supreme Court justices, the more immediate uh, concern that, rather than the long term. And, he, and I'll give the president uh, credit on that. He said the right things about keeping the protest peaceful, uh, that violence is not the answer. The, the problem that nags at me is you've got a Department of Justice under a very politicized head who has refused to enforce laws protecting like Justice Kavanaugh, even after an attempted assassination. So I'm very worried about this weekend in particular, about what tonight holds for us uh, and over the next couple of days when it comes to these protests. The president said some of the right things there, but the actions of the Department of Justice in just walking away from enforcement when it comes to kind of their pet political causes worries me about the safety of these justices. The last question I have for you is a simple question. We've kind of danced around it here in in certain aspects of what it means but where does this go from here does it the decisions been made by the supreme court is it now basically out in the hands of the public at large will they vote on the virtue of this in the midterm elections where do we go from here well you know it's interesting the 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 thing i hope gets some traction to the general public because it's obviously a very emotional issue for most people people feel very strongly you know uh, across the lines on this as justice kavanaugh said in his concurrence that this the issue before the court was not the policy or the morality of abortion it was what the constitution the federal constitution says about abortion and he specifically said we're not outlawing it we're just returning it to where it always was until 1973 and where it always should have been which is in the hands of the state so you know my hope is that there's going to be some leadership somewhere that stands up and tries to diffuse the emotionality of it if if people think that it's the stuff of uh state legislatures or federal congress then they should lobby hard and make their voices known. But but I I really hope that we can get back to a um, kind of a less hyper emotional society and with less politicians intentionally stoking those emotional flames and people recognizing that this did not actually outlaw abortion. It just returned it to the states because the Constitution didn't give the authority for the feds to regulate it. So we'll see. I mean, hard to know where it all goes from now, but I'm I'm just uh, hoping we get through the weekend unscathed. It is something that has emotions really raw at this point, and we will see definitely how it goes and and where we go from here as far as the digesting of this decision by the Supreme Court of the United States. Jim Trustee is a former federal prosecutor and a partner at IFRA Law. Jim, thank you so much for joining us for the Fox News Rundown Evening Edition. Sure. Happy to do it. Thanks. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. I'm Guy Benson. Join me weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and guests. Listen live on the Fox News app or get the free podcast at GuyBensonShow.com.